0: Good to be back with you again today. Um, This past week's been a busy week. Actually brought another U-Haul truckload of stuff yesterday and got that unloaded. Not near like we had last Friday, but anyway, things are somewhat getting settled down. Uh, We still have boxes everywhere, and I just ask you to continue to pray for us that the quicker we can really get settled in, the more uh, we can really get settled. full steam ahead in ministry here looking forward to that before I actually get into the message today if you've been watching on the news um, you've heard of the Hamas the Palestinians invading Israel and I hear that there's already over 400 uh, people that have been killed the Jewish people and that situation is not a good situation And I just, you know, some of the things, some of the pictures I've seen were horrific of the way some of these, uh, just your average Israeli citizens, how they are being treated even after they have been killed. And so we know these things are in the Lord's hands. And we know that one day the end times, the Battle of Armageddon and all of that stuff is going to take place right around, right around there but yet, even though that's going to take place, um, Psalm 122.6 tells us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And before we begin our message this morning, I want us to, to do just that, to, to pray for God's people. Um, and before I even go in prayer, I just want to, you know, this tension that, that started back with Ishmael going all the way back to the book of Genesis, I want not tell you how very real it is, and it just isn't real over there. It's real here. Uh, when I pastored the Alliance Church in Belle Glade, Florida, there was a mosque across the canal, catacorned to us, maybe an eighth of a mile. And we had out on our sign one day, I put out there that Psalm 122.6, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And that sign got vandalized and then they scratched all through it and put Palestine. It's here too, folks. And so just to be aware. But we need to live our lives for the Lord. Uh, we can walk in faith and we can walk in confidence that, that God is in control. Uh, there is no plan, no insight, no, what is it? <laughs> no wisdom, no insight, no plan that can succeed against the Lord. So, um, anyway, but let's, let's go to the Lord and let's, let's lift up Israel right now. Father, we acknowledge that you are God. You are the only God, and as Scripture says, there is none even like you. And yet, Father, as war is breaking out and as atrocities are happening, this isn't taking you by surprise. Father, we know that even in all of this, this is part of your grand scheme of things um, that you are in control, and this is part of, of leading up to the coming back of Jesus, and we don't know when that might be, but but Father, we pray for your people in Israel. We pray, God, that for your, for their protection, we pray for your intervention. We ask God that you would thwart the plans of the enemy that might would try to bring harm against your people. And Father, as Scripture says, we do pray for the peace of Jerusalem. God. Um, give the the leaders of Israel wisdom, and Father, just as you clothed the the men who fought for Israel in the Old Testament, I pray God for your clothing, your protection, your power on the men and even women um, who will be serving to defend their nation. So, God, we just pray again your protection, your blessing on your people. Lord, we pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. When my daughter was somewhere around four years old, she had this little tiny Hello Kitty purse. She was really proud of that thing. And knowing that it, it meant a lot to her, You know, I would occasionally give her a few coins, maybe a dollar or two to to put in that purse. And I never will forget, on a Sunday morning, she had taken out her little purse and she was going to take it to church. Now, understand at the time, I owned a poultry farm. Marsha didn't work, so she was a stay-at-home mom. Well, we raised five flocks of chickens per year. So what that meant was I got paid after each flock was sold. So when you boil it all down, I got five paychecks per year. And believe me, just as those chickens would scratch around out in the dirt, I was scratching around just trying to make a living. And if I'm not mistaken, I think at this particular time it had probably been a couple of months since I had gotten a paycheck and financially things were getting a little tight. However, when I saw my little girl taking what little bit of money she had out of her purse and playing with it. Well, you know, kind of in the moment. It just moved my heart to want to bless her and to add to her collection. And actually, I wanted to try and go a little above and beyond what I would normally do and give her something that she had never had before. So I opened my wallet, and I pulled out a $5 bill. Well, she had never, I'd never given her a $5 bill before, and I understand $5.00 is not a lot of money, especially today. However, in my life, back then at that particular time, that $5 was a lot of money to me. (laughs) But yet, I pulled that $5 bill out of my wallet, and I gave it to my daughter. And when I did, you know, her face, it just lit up. Not only did she feel blessed, but I believe I felt even more blessed from her response. Well, a couple of hours later, We were sitting in our usual spot in church, and it came time to take up the offering. My daughter, whose name is Carly, she was sitting right next to me, and when she saw the offering plate coming towards us from the other end of the pew, she opened her little purse, and she was getting ready to take out some money. And and as the offering plate arrived, I looked down at her purse and thought, surely she is not going to put that $5 bill in the offering plate. You know, after all, in my mind, okay, I was thinking, you know, that was a sacrifice for me to give, not to mention she had never had a $5 bill before. So in my mind, my thoughts were, you know, there's no way she's going to put that $5 bill that I just gave her in the offering plate. However, contrary, okay, to my thinking, as she opened that little Hello Kitty purse, with great eagerness and intentionality, she reached in that purse and pulled out that $5 bill and with great joy, she plopped that bill right smack dab in the middle of that offering plate. And then, with great satisfaction, she turned and looked at me and gave me the biggest smile you'd ever seen. Now honestly, again in the moment, I kind of couldn't believe it. But yet, Seeing what she did, it really moved my heart. So what did I do? When I got home, even though I really couldn't afford it, I gave her another $5 bill. <laughs> I gave that illustration because even though it was a sacrifice, giving my daughter those two $5 bills was a very rich blessing. But not only that, witnessing what she did with that first bill, seeing my daughter joyfully give that to the Lord, folks I'm here to tell you that was a blessing that all of the money in the world couldn't buy. This morning what we're going to discover from our passage of Scripture is the blessing of giving. And let's begin reading from our text which is found in Numbers chapter 7, Numbers chapter 7. I'm going to read the first nine verses. Verse one, when Moses, now kind of notice this next statement, finished, finished setting up the tabernacle. He anointed it and consecrated it and all of its furnishings. He also anointed and consecrated the altar and all its utensils. Now I want to try and explain again what's happening here. You know, God had delivered His people out of Egypt. Moses had just received the law of the covenant from God there at Mount Sinai. The tabernacle where God dwelled and where the sacrifices were to be made had just been set up. Now God was preparing to lead His people into the Promised Land. So as we've discussed for the past two weeks, before they set out on their journey, God, through Moses, had given them detailed instructions on how to make their journey successful. And congregation, those instructions were how to correctly worship God and keep Him as the focal point of their lives. And church family... In order for your journey in life to be successful and to enjoy the favor of God's blessings, we also must worship God on His terms and keep Him the focal point of our lives. Just as Hebrews twelve two says, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Now... Getting back to our text, the Israelites are about to begin their journey to the promised land. The tabernacle where God dwelled had just been completed as we we read here in verse 1. But what we need to, to keep in mind is that God is now about to lead His people away from Mount Sinai. So what does that mean? It means that the tabernacle and all of its furnishings are going to have to be taken down, packed up, and transported to the next location where God leads them. That sounds a lot like my life recently. But as we discussed last week, God had given that responsibility of moving the tabernacle and all of its furnishings. He had given that responsibility to the Levites. So with those things in mind, let's continue reading verse 2. Then the leaders of Israel, the heads of the families who were the tribal leaders in charge of those who were counted, made offerings. They brought as their gifts before the Lord six carts and twelve oxen, an oxen from each leader and a cart from every two. They presented these before the tabernacle. So what just happened here is this. The leaders... Representing each of the twelve tribes of Israel brought an offering to the Lord. Now understand, the gifts that they brought to the Lord, those offerings were voluntary. In other words, this wasn't something that God had commanded them to do. But yet, it was something that the people wanted to do. Additionally, and I, I believe this really needs to be emphasized their giving was not an attempt to buy God's favor, but rather it flowed out of the experience of God's favor. In other words, because of God's goodness and blessing to them, they in turn wanted to be a blessing back to God. And congregation, what I not only want you to fully understand, but to also experience is the blessing of giving, especially giving back to God. Let's move on and read verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses. Did you notice that phrase, the Lord said to Moses? I pointed that out for the last couple of weeks. And again, you know, well as I said before, you see that phrase about 150 times in the books where Moses is mentioned here. So... I just share that because I want you to understand God is speaking to you as well. And remember, if you'll open your Bibles and read God's Word, you also will hear the Lord speaking to you. Just want to point that out. But getting back to our text, what we're seeing here in verses 4 and 5 is God's response to the people's offering, His response to their giving. Notice that after the people gave their offering in verses two and three, verse four in the more literal translation tells us, Then the Lord said to Moses. Verse five tells us what God re- said in, in response. Verse five, accept these from them that they may be used in the work at the tent of meeting. Give them to the Levites as each man's work requires. Now what's interesting right here is this, realizing that the tabernacle had just been set up and completed, it was just consecrated for use, before they began their journey the people of Israel saw a need. Okay? They recognized that their Levite brothers would need help in transporting the massive amount of supplies that made up the tabernacle and its furnishings. And this is why they gave the carts and the oxen. Verse 6 tells us, So Moses took the carts and oxen and gave them to the Levites. He gave two carts and four oxen to the Gershonites as their work required. And he gave four carts and eight oxen to the Merarites as their work required. They were all under the direction of Ithamar son of Aaron the priest. but. Verse 9 tells us, but Moses did not give any to the Kohathites because they were to carry on their shoulders the holy things for which they were responsible. Now, even though the giving of the oxen and carts were truly a blessing to the Gershonites and the Merarites, God's standard for moving the holy things required the Kohathites to have them carried on the shoulders of men And not by the shoulders of oxen. And remember later on when David became king and they tried to remove it, move the ark with oxen. Remember that was a total disaster. So again, just as we saw last week in chapters 3 and 4, worshiping God and living for God is done on his terms, not ours. Okay. Sometimes we can do things that is helpful. And there's no problem with that, and God accepts that. But if we want to try to do something and it causes a conflict or a compromise in God's Word, we've got to draw the line right there. I can't help but think of Jude, verse 4, where it says um, it warns against people who were changing the grace of God into a license for immorality. Okay, we have to be careful. Again, we have to do things according to God's terms. But let's move on. Verses 10 and 11. The Israelites here give another offering to the Lord. And this offering was specifically given as a dedication to the altar. Let's read these verses. Let's read 10 and 11. It says, When the altar was anointed, the leaders brought their offerings for its dedication and presented them before the altar. For the Lord had said to Moses, Each day one leader is to to bring his offering for the dedication of the altar. Now, again, these offerings here were not commanded by God, they were given freely as they were responding to God's grace and His faithfulness. Now, God did stipulate how those gifts were to be given. In verse 11, we are told that the gifts from the 12 tribes were to be given one day at a time. Not all together in one day, but given one day at a time from the representative of each tribe. So with that in mind, let's read verses 12, I believe, on through 17. The one who brought his offering on the first day was Nashon son of Amminadab of the tribe of Judah. These next verses tell us what the offering is. His offering was one silver plate weighing 130 shekels and one silver sprinkling bowl weighing 70 shekels, both according to the sanctuary shekel, each filled with fine flour with oil as a grain offering. One gold dish weighing 10 shekels filled with incense. One young bull one ram and one male lamb a year old for a burnt offering, one male goat for a sin offering, and two oxen, five rams, five male goats, and five male lambs a year old to be sacrificed as a fellowship offering. This was the offering of Nashon, son of Amenadab. Now I'm going to stop reading right there. Reason being is because if you would read the rest of the account of the giving of those gifts, which would take you all the way through verse 83, you would discover that the gifts given by the other 11 tribes are exactly the same as the gifts that were given in the verses that we just read. The only difference in those verses is the name of the person bringing the offering and the tribe that that person represented was different. Everything else, again, which included the gifts that were given, is exactly the same. So with the exception of the 12 different names and the 12 different tribes, why would God want Moses to repeat word for word the exact same offerings that they gave? And by the way, Because each offering is listed 12 different times, Numbers chapter 7 is the longest chapter in the Pentateuch. That's the first five books of the Bible. But why not just say the leaders of Israel's 12 tribes brought the following items? Wouldn't that be a whole lot simpler? Why not say it just one time instead of 12 different times? Well, I'm sure that God had a reason as to why. We aren't told specifically. But think about this, by lumping all of them together, that would have had the tendency of de-emphasizing the value and the significance of each man's gift. Having said that, I can state with confidence, no matter how large or small a person's gift is to the Lord, When God sees the genuine motive of the heart, He would never devalue one's gift. Take, for example, in Luke chapter 21, when the widow gave the two lepta, the two small copper coins, Jesus praised her offering because even though they were of very little value, She, as Jesus said, out of her poverty put in all that she had to live on. And the point is this, you know, in our economy, each of those coins that she gave would only be worth about the equivalent of one-eighth of a cent each. But yet Jesus, who is God, not only took notice of that offering, but praised this woman's offering. So... By having each man bring their gifts on 12 separate days, and by recording each of the offerings individually, even though each gift was identical, each man's gift was duly noted and recorded. So here's what I want each one of you to realize. Just as God took special notice of every gift that each man gave, Folks, I'm here to tell you, He also takes very special notice of everything that you give to Him as well. Next, let's briefly examine God's response to the offerings that were brought to Him during this 12-day period. After the last offering was brought, the first part of verse 84 tells us this. This was the dedication offering for the altar on the day when it was anointed. The rest of this verse through verse 88 simply gives a sum total of all of the gifts that the 12 tribes of Israel had brought to the Lord. Verse 89 tells us, And when Moses went to the tent of meeting to speak with the Lord, so after... These gifts were received. Moses goes into the tent of meeting to speak with the Lord, and he heard the voice speaking to him from above the mercy seat that was on the ark of the testimony from between the two cherubim, and it spoke to him. Now, obviously, this verse doesn't give us any specific information concerning God's reaction to these offerings. However, If you keep in mind the context of what all was going on in the nation of Israel at that time, I believe we can glean some very valuable information here. Again, remember the nation of Israel is in the very beginning stage of their journey to the promised land. And again, before they set out, before they set out on their journey, the worship of God was what they were to center their lives around Therefore, the setting up and dedication of the tabernacle was a top priority before they began their journey. And the lesson for us to glean here is that on a daily basis, the worship of God should also be a priority in each of our lives as we are following God's leading in our journey. So after the Israelites gave their offering, by God personally meeting with Moses in the most holy place of the tabernacle, that in a sense signified that God not only received, but was well pleased with their offering. And that now, God is ready to begin leading them on their journey to the promised land. And the picture for us to see is this. God had led His people out of Egyptian bondage. He had been protecting and providing for them in the desert. And in return, they joyfully gave back to God. And as a result, as the story continues to unfold in later chapters, we see that God continued to bless and give back as He led them on their journey. So how does this relate to us? If you're a Christian, God has led you out of the bondage of sin. He is not only your protector, but He also is your provider. He provides for you on a daily basis. Folks, if it wasn't for God's provision, we wouldn't have anything. We need to keep that in mind. Now, do you remember my opening illustration about my daughter? And I realize I'm going to begin to speculate a little here, so just bear with me. But I want you to realize... Church family, each one of you are made in the image of God. And the traits of love, compassion, and watching out for those we love, if you stop and think about it, those are the same traits that our Heavenly Father has for us. Now that wasn't speculation, that's truth, but here's where I'm getting to speculate here, okay? So because we are made in the image of God, we get those traits from Him. So this is what I want you to see. Just as being a father who wanted to bless his daughter with the gift of a five dollar bill, our Heavenly Father also desires to bless his children, meaning each one of you. And just as I was blessed to give to my daughter, she was blessed to give it to the Lord. And when I saw that, I was blessed to, in return, give back to her. So what I want you to realize, that when you give to the Lord, and understand, giving to the Lord isn't just the money you give when you tithe. It could also be giving to others in need. It could be helping someone physically, such as mowing their lawn, repairing a set of broken steps. The point is this. When you give to the Lord, by whatever means, it is truly a blessing. It's not only a blessing that is received, but when, be, but when giving becomes a part of who you are, you will discover that it is also a blessing to give. And as I close, I want to encourage you To be a joyful giver. And in doing so, because God sees and receives each one of those gifts, as He gives back to you, you will begin experiencing the blessing of giving. And that experience is something that money can't buy. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are a loving and giving God. The fact is, you love us so much, you gave us your Son. Who not only took the punishment of our sins, But by shedding his sinless blood gives us the offer of eternal life. But Father, help us to also realize that we live not just for eternity, for heaven. Father, your word tells us that we can live abundantly here and now. If we will follow you and serve you. So God it's my prayer. That as each day as we go through life's journey. That we will keep our focus on you. And that Father. When we see opportunities. To give. That we'll take advantage of those opportunities. Knowing that. You will give back because. The truth is, we can never outgive you your God. Help us, Father, to experience that blessing of giving. I ask these things in the name of your Son Jesus, Amen.